You are listening to Where is the Line? The stories you will hear will be depraved, disturbing, and true. If you are easily unsettled, you may find this program offensive. And if you are under the age of 18, fuck off. You don't have any brains. I have the brains. That's how I win my matches. I say the bigger they come, the harder they fall. I think you bit off a little more than you can chew. Everybody drinking blood. Everybody eating brains. Some monster party. Everybody eating flesh. Everybody breaking bones. Some monster party. Are you sure you're ready? It is what it is at this point, right? <laughs> you sound so excited. <laughs> little, to be here. I'm a little nervous, okay? Like, this is the second time we've recorded. On <laughs> episode 35 yes. of Where is the Line? Very it's excited. been a while. It has. And with me today is someone who hopefully will be here for an episode and a half or so before she goes to live on the farm. With Jamie, Ashley, and all of the other totally alive co-hosts. One can only dream. Robin. Hi. Say something disturbing, Robin. Snow-capped mountains. Snow-capped mountains. That's a good one, and I don't think you even knew that one until a minute ago, did you? It's true. I was just paying attention. I'm going to get right into this episode pretty quick. I'm not even going to talk about all the shit that has gone on that has led to us not being here for a while yeah maybe i'll make like a youtube video and just explain it all or something i need to be doing some shit on youtube anyway i want to give a shout out to our new patrons uh who we have acquired for whatever fucking reason because we haven't (laughs) done shit in a while we have a lot new facebook followers too or facebook members yeah yeah i've been approving those but uh yeah oh well thank you you're welcome (laughs) I felt bad. I felt bad about not doing anything and still having a Patreon. So I sent all of our patrons uh, some assorted shit, mm-hmm. you know, just like the crap that we had, like the coasters that last through. Like you could set like two fucking things on those coasters and they completely fall the fuck apart. It's true. I have mine on a bulletin board instead. <sighs> well, the stickers are stickers. They though. are. They're nice. Yeah. I like the those. stickers definitely. are definitely gonna stick. Yeah, they'll stick on things. <laughs> if you would like some stickers of your own and possibly even a coaster that you could use once or twice. <laughs> yeah, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash where is the line. Our new patrons, though, and possibly a few old ones because I'm a little bit confused about where we stopped last time and I don't leave anybody else. So I'd rather say it twice. Absolutely. Than not even once. Our Naomi Lord from the UK. Cat Jones from Kansas, Sheila Swearingen Angel. The name sounds familiar, but maybe not. Did you watch Deadwood? Maybe. Swidgen! Cocksucker! Swidgen! I probably can't. Is that racist? Can I do that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Swidgen! <laughs> anyway, thanks for being I a patron. I guess we'll find out later. Swidgen! Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely find out if I'm not supposed to be doing that. Uh, Katie McGill, Kit, who was at our last hangout that you fell asleep and didn't come? I did. You're off to a good start. I know, right? (laughs) Just kidding. Annalise McGall and Jason Kochka from Dayton, Ohio. I I was totally expecting to look over there and see like a... Poland or something, you know, but nope. Well, thank all of the patrons for uh, staying on the worst Patreon of all time. Thank you. We do, I don't really do shit. I, I like the Patreon and the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate the Instagram. I actually gave Cassie <laughs> the login information. She is the official farthest person away from us living in Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> so she can log into our Instagram and post all kinds of shit there and possibly pretend that she's me and maybe even use those credentials to log into all kinds of things that I own. Who knows? But don't do that, Cassie. <laughs> <sighs> it's been a long time. <laughs> How long has it been? Like three months? 
It was Halloween. It was after, like, right after Halloween because we didn't have an Halloween episode. Did you read anything? Yeah. I was really upset because we didn't have mm-hmm. a Halloween episode. And then we kind of did one, but it was just like us talking about why we didn't have the episode. And then we didn't. Which was Lots based on reasons. the previous two episodes that I began recording that went fucking nowhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. And then oh, I don't remember what like the running theory was on like why we were almost like cursed to not have a Halloween episode. But, yeah. Because weird know. things happened to me about that time, too. The only good thing that happened on Halloween is that I was sitting on the porch and this kid dressed up like when I say kid, I mean like teenager, you know, like freshman college. in college. Yeah. Or something. Came running by dressed up like Gene Simmons, and he said, which way is the strip? And I pointed the absolute wrong direction, and he took off running. I fucking hate Gene Simmons. <laughs> and Kiss. Fuck. What the fuck has Gene Simmons got to be so goddamn proud about? He plays like two or three fucking root notes, and then sticks his tongue out and paints his face up. That's it. I don't like Gene Simmons. <laughs> And, oh. and that and that child paid the price. Well, he knew he was dressing up like an asshole before he left the fucking house. He, he took his chances. He took his chances. <laughs> You're gonna dress up like a fucking asshole. Yeah, expect to get misinformed when guess- you ask for directions. All right, I want to go ahead and get going because this is going to be a two-part episode, and this is the story. That everyone has been asking for. I can't tell you. Is it? <laughs> no. So popular. All. No one has ever asked <laughs> it's for this like, story. We've got but, to know about this. But you've got to fucking know about this. <laughs> Are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. Let's do it. Late in the 12th century, a young nomadic tribeswoman goes into labor under the open sky on the Asian steppe. Some claim that this woman's child, when he came into the world, was holding in his fist a ball of coagulated blood, foreshadowing the millions of deaths that would soon come about in his name. Upon his birth, this child was given the name Timujin. Are you familiar with the name Timujin? I don't think so. Am I? You're familiar with this man, though. Okay. If that name seems unfamiliar to some people, apart from Robin, it's probably because you know this child as the name that he will eventually be known as. A name rivaled maybe only by Jesus of Nazareth in terms of the misery and destruction attributed to it. This child would come to be known as Genghis Khan. And his birth marks the beginning of an era that, by its end, would bring about the violent death of more than 10% of the entire population of Earth. Today, though, our focus is not on Genghis Khan. Instead, we'll be talking about the man who served as his right hand, a general in the Mongolian army who was unnaturally gifted in the arenas of war and wartime subterfuge, a man who, when unleashed, would unrelentlessly chase his marks to the ends of the earth, pillaging everything along the way and leaving mountains of the dead behind him. All those who this man was set upon learned the hard way that much like the Wu-Tang Clan of our own time, Subadai ain't nothing to fuck with. Please laugh. I I was trying not to. (laughs) Why? That is a horrible, that has been stuck in my head ever since I decided to do an episode on Superdye. I had to, I had to say Superdye because I've been just hearing it in my head. Superdye, nothing to fuck with. I think it was the Wu-Tang Clan getting, um. Put into that also that I really was just like, <laughs> oh god, or, or is this racist again? Am I being racist again? I don't. Know. No, why would that okay. be racist? Well, I don't know. I can't. Sometimes I don't know. That's not. I don't think so. If I'm offending anybody, well, no, I mean, yeah, well, well, yeah, but I'm also, I'm also sorry. I don't mean to. Uh, 
Unless I like call you out and challenge you to like a bare knuckle boxing match or something like that. Or, you know, say something about your Halloween costume. I forgot what we were talking about before that. Oh, um, calling people it out. <laughs> calling people out. And Subadai. And I ain't nothing to fuck with. Subadai ain't nothing to fuck with. And we're going to prove that over two episodes. Subadai might be the most nothing to fuck with human being that ever walked the fucking planet. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Fuck linear storytelling. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to start with a battle that I think exemplifies how Subadai fought with his army. And I want to tell this probably uh, kind of from the perspective of his adversary and then maybe back up and let you know what was really happening. That's going to make sense in a minute. I got you. So this is 1241, by the way. I'm not really big on dates. I really hate when people are like, Subadai was born in 15 and then this. and I don't like dates. We're in the mid-13th century, and we're going to be talking through the mid-14th century. 1241, in Poland, Henry the Pious, already don't like him, has become aware that there is a horde of 70,000 Mongols, Men who are said to stink and have the clothes rotting off of their bodies. Absolutely barbaric men. And these men have just finished fucking up Russia. And now they have their sights set on Henry's home, Poland. The Mongols invade Poland and they take a lot of Poland without resistance. And the last holdout is this Henry the Pious. He's got only 30,000 men, and he's heard that the 70,000 men Mongol horde is approaching. But Henry's not, Henry's not, and he's not that worried yet, because amongst his 30,000 men are the famous Knights Templar. Oh. These are war-hardened badasses. With impenetrable armor, they ride on top of these giant horses who are actually bred to be extra large and stout so that they can hold the knights on the armor. And they're also expert swordsmen. And then along with, along with uh, all of these knights, who are not all just knights Templar, they're knights of various sorts, um, he's got tens of thousands of infantrymen to support them. And the way that knights on horses worked in battle in the way that the Europeans fought is that they would line up. The knights would charge towards the battle lines of the enemy, carrying lances and their swords. They would bust through these lines and they would immediately be followed by this infantry who would engage with the, the men, the enemy who were then scattered about. That's how that worked. Mm -hmm. This whole thing depends on the infantry coming in behind these knights. And the knights, another thing about these knights, a lot of these are expert swordsmen who are battle-hardened and all of that, but a lot of them are there because of social status and their family name. They have this ornate armor. They're there for personal glory. And also, a lot of these knights are the commanders of divisions, which is going to be important in a minute. So... This Mongol horde, who is said to be comprised of 70,000 men, has brushed through Poland, and they're at Henry's doorstep. And Henry and his army looks at them, and they're a little surprised. For one thing, these Mongols, who are said to be, you know, expert horsemen and expert archers, aren't even riding real horses. They're riding little fucking ponies. And also, they're quiet, which is a little disconcerting to Henry and his army because they're not making any noise. Usually, when the European armies fight other European armies, they line up and they have drums and battle cries and they try to be intimidating. Uh, and the, uh, the Mongol horde that is approaching isn't doing any of this. But they do notice some flags going up and down. And what's happening is that the Mongols are using communication 
with flags across their lines, whereas Henry's army is shouting orders, uh, and a lot of those orders are coming from people who aren't really even soldiers. They're just kind of rich people in armor on horses. (laughs) So there's some nuance that goes on in the middle here that I'm going to skip. But basically, this battle begins. Henry's knights charge the Mongols. And the Mongols, who have at this point conquered the entirety of Asia, they fucked up Russia, they turn and fucking run from Henry's army. And so, I mean, and they're running and screaming and running and screaming. And the knights are chasing them and also chasing glory because all of these fucking rich fuckers with their ornate armor, they got to slice down a couple of Mongols so they have these stories to tell and songs can be written about them. And so they're chasing the Mongols and they're chasing the Mongols and they're chasing the Mongols. And they look behind them and they've kind of lost track of their infantrymen. Their infantry is really far behind them. But they're knights. The Mongols are shooting arrows at them from from as they're being chased. And none of these arrows are doing anything to their armor. They hadn't fucking killed anybody. So the knights take off after them. They look back a couple minutes later and they notice a plume of smoke going across the battlefield. Someone must have set something on fire. Something's burning back there. They keep chasing. They keep chasing. And then uh, the Mongols stop... And uh, there's a whole big group of, of Mongols surrounding the knight. And at first, um, they actually try shooting the arrows at, at these knights, but they can't kill them that way. But knights aren't very mobile if they get knocked off of their horse. So they just shot all the horses out from under them and just sort of stood around them in a circle and just stabbed them all to death. Sounds like a good plan. Including Henry the Pious, whose head they chopped off and put upon a spike and ran around through town with it. So let's back up and talk about how this slaughter of this entire army came to be. Because once they killed the knights, everybody else is done. So what's really happening here? So when this battle, right when this battle starts, right before the knights are charging... Towards the Mongols, a flank of Henry's army retreats. The man that yelled retreat was a Mongol who snuck over there and started yelling retreat. The smoke that went across the battlefield was purposeful. The Mongols sat the smoke across the battlefield, so they they were intentionally stretching the knights away from their infantry, mm-hmm. obviously. And the smoke across the battlefield was there to keep the infantry from being able to see where the knights went. Okay. So should it take the Mongols a little longer to deal with the knights, the infantry's not going to catch back up with them. Also, this is this is one of the first times that the Mongols, the Mongol army, has met a European army. The European army really didn't know what to expect. Subadai's 70,000 men that he marched out of Russia knew exactly what to expect because Subadai had an intelligence group. Subadai rarely attacked an enemy without knowing everything about them. Before he attacked Henry, he knew that some of their commanders were just rich dudes in armor. He knew how they communicated across their lines. He knew how the knights worked along with the infantrymen, and that's what made all of this possible. And now here is the most insulting thing about this whole ordeal for poor Henry. This isn't even Subadai's army. This is a little bitty detachment (laughs) that uh, he set off after them while he handled more important things in the South. Nice. Subadai ain't nothing to fuck with. This happens over and over and over, especially the the feigned, the feigned flight. Mm-hmm. All through these conquests, Chinggis Khan's conquests, Subadai, all of the all of the generals are using this where they attack, they pretend to be terrified, apparently screaming and running away, stretching the armies out, sometimes leading them into ambushes. 
sometimes just getting them away from the objective that they really want to attack. And nobody ever knew what. No, I'm just like, and that's what I'm thinking is like, how is it that, I mean, this has worked so many times. How has nobody communicated, hey, this is how they work? They have. Oh. And that's one of the really perplexing things amongst all of the perplexing things about this is that word has gotten out about how the Mongols fight. And people keep fucking falling for it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not just that. I mean, that that seems to have been like their primary tactic, Mm -hmm. the feigned flight, uh, come around and attack. But they did so many clever things. They would. They often hid their numbers in all of the, all of these amazing ways. Um, possibly the reason that Henry thought that entire army was there is that the Mongols oftentimes, when they would travel, if they wanted you to think that their numbers were greater, every man in the troop would light three fires. So if you're looking at them from a distance, the army looks three times as large. So the Mongols destroy. Henry's entire army sack the city, kill every living thing they find as they are wont to do. It's really the reason that Supertai sent the detachment. He didn't want Henry's army joining forces with the larger army that Supertai was at present heading towards. Okay. And so Supertai may not have even wanted to take... Henry's city. He just wanted to distract the army, really. But <laughs> Henry was easy pickings mm. for Subadai. Absolutely. So how how did Subadai end up in this position? Because it wasn't by birthright. Subadai was born to a, a poor blacksmith out on the step. You know, I mentioned in the monologue that Chinggis Khan was born Timogen. Timogen's family... And Subadai's family had known each other. They had kind of traded through a few generations. Subadai's family did metalwork. Timogen's family were hunters and sheep herders. And also warriors. Because that's what I think when I think about sheep herders. That they're warriors? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Warrior sheep herder. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all of this shit that I've been reading... It's never occurred to me that the idea of the warrior sheep herder is uh, unusual. <laughs> <laughs> they're sheep herders and warriors. <laughs> but there's this story about how Superdai and Timogen met. And it's that Superdai's father was bringing sheep to Timogen's father uh, after Timogen's father had lost a battle. Because Timogen's father was technically a Khan, but he is not, was not the Khan in the sense of what Chinggis Khan would become known as. Uh, Timogen's father was just kind of in control of a, a, a small tribe. Okay. Uh, in the middle of the steppe. The story goes that Subadai's father was bringing these sheep to Timogen's father, who was kind of trapped on the the, uh, the banks of a, of a river. Um, and so on the way, bringing these sheep there, the story goes that they're attacked by bandits. And that Subadai... And Subadai's older brother uh, fight off these bandits and take these sheep on to Timogen's father. This most certainly cannot be true because Subadai very probably was 14 when he joined Genghis Khan's army. So for this to have happened, Subadai would have had been out there busting tails when he was like eight years old. Yeah, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you never know. Regardless, Subadai is 14 when when he joins up with Temujin's army, who by this point is going by Chinggis Khan. And so Subadai's brother is a commander in Chinggis's army. I just I'm 14 years old. I'm sorry, I'm over here just like that's crazy. I just it blows my mind. <laughs> well, Subadai's brother uh, was kind of pressed into service. Okay, his family owned a debt to the Khans, and so Subadai's brother was pressed into service. Subadai, though, wanted to join. He was actually like, probably a little too young to be joining, but he went in anyway, and they let him come in because by this point, his brother uh, had become a, a, a well-thought-of commander in Chinggis's army. And so Subadai gets in here at 14, 
because his brother is a commander, he's in these tents as they're making war plans, coming up with strategies, different tactics to to attack different peoples. And he's kind of growing up in this at this point in your life where you kind of become who you're going to be. Yes. And this this is what he's doing during that time. So as Supatai grows up, he begins showing more and more competency uh, with battlefield tactics. And Chinggis Khan, to his credit, uh, does not appoint generals based on nepotism. <laughs> People aren't born in to, to Chinggis Khan's army. They get there by merit. And so eventually, Supatai works his way up to be one of Chinggis's four dogs. These were the four generals. Like D-A-W-G or... Yeah, the, the dogs. <laughs> he, he, he grows up to be one of Chinggis's main dogs. Sorry, I'm just like over with who let the dogs out and like all kinds of good... So, four. Four main. Of which... <laughs> yeah, of which he only has four. Okay. Uh, these are the these are the generals. These are these are Chinggis's generals. These are the men that he trusts. And you know when when people talk about Chinggis Khan conquering this enormous landmass, I mean by the end of this he had conquered all of Asia. He fucked up Russia. He went to Poland. No one has ever conquered that large of a contiguous landmass in history. And Supatai ends up the general in this. And and Chinggis lets his generals kind of have autonomy. Mm-hmm. He says what he wants them to accomplish, and they go and they do it. He's not a micromanager. He's not. Now, Chinggis is a proven battle commander. He is actually probably even more gifted at this than Subutai is. But he's at the top of the chain at this point. Um, he's giving orders now. And so when Chinggis starts out, his plan is to unify all of these separated tribes in the steppe. So like I said, his family were one of these tribes. Like his, his father was the leader of one of these. And these were all like little small tribes. And they're warring with each other a lot. And Chinggis wants to unify them all. And he does. And so he he's getting these different tribes to submit by sending out Subutai and the other generals. And they have a pretty much one chance policy most of the time. Okay, so this isn't necessarily unification through like, come join us. No. This is going to be great. It's like, come join us or else. Join us or die. I got you. Okay. Is exactly what this is. Okay. Now, if you join them, you would give them a few troops. You start paying them taxes. But apart from that, uh, you're going to be all right. They're going to offer you protection. They don't give a fuck what your religion is. The The Mongols had some religion. It's like a mafia thing. But, well, it kind of is. Yeah, it really is. But it, it you pretty much kept your life the way you were. Now, at the same time... Out in Europe, this is the time of the Crusades and shit. Yes. Those are holy wars. Well, I'm also thinking right now about how, like, with the holy wars, and, I mean, obviously problematic now, but every time I think about anything that has to do with Mongols, it's like, you know, they're barbaric, and they're terrible, and, and they're nasty, and um, speaking about, like, as they far were as, like, nasty. racism. They were? That's they not were just... extremely nasty. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a fact that they would wear uh, <laughs> kind of silks uh, that they would get from tradesmen, under like the 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 leather, which kind of served as their armor. Okay. Um, but they would wear it until it literally rotted off of their skin. Is there a purpose to that, or is it just so that you if look there, badass when you're like coming up on? If there's a purpose for that, I'm not aware of it now. But their culture was such that they probably it probably just didn't. It just felt like what they did because a lot of their habits were were also. Offensive to modern sensibilities and even to European sensibilities at the time. So uh, they would eat intestines of animals. They wouldn't clean them out. Uh, they would just kind of roll them up and oh. let the poop come out the end as they're just, eating them. Okay, like spaghetti. And um, one, of the, one of the ways that the Mongols were able to be so tricky is that they were, compared to armies of the time anywhere else in the world... They 
moved with speed that no army had matched before this. How is that? That is because they didn't have supply trains. Oh, okay. European armies, armies all over the world, when they want to march their troops out, they have a supply train that follows them, that brings them food, everything that they need. The Mongols were completely self-sufficient, and when they left, when, when, when their troops left, they left each one carrying more than one horse. And these horses were these these small ponies, which were native to the area. I was say, the, the ponies. <laughs> yeah. But the thing about these ponies are, these ponies don't look like much, but they're badass. They, they, you don't have to feed them. They feed themselves. Even when they're crossing icy plains, these horses can use their hooves to dig through the ice and kind of graze on whatever's underneath there. And you might be thinking, well... What if they get hungry out on these plains? You know, and, and and at one point, the Mongols crossed the fucking Gobi Desert to get the drop on somebody. Something that has no... No one had ever done that. It was thought to be impossible. But if you piss off the fucking Mongols, they <laughs> will cross the goddamn desert just to make you look like a fucking dumbass when they sneak up behind you. What was I talking about? Uh, we were talking about the t- the time. It was like the time of the Knights Templar, and and I kind of got us off on the. Where was I going? With that? Okay, so so <laughs> Subadai had been out conquering one of these tribes. Oh, real quick, this particular unifying. Yeah, unifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Subadai had been out unifying. <laughs> Be a threat. <laughs> and just real quick, I don't want to really go into it too much because there's this kind of shit happens over and over, but. uh Guess how, guess how he won that battle? Uh, rock, paper, scissors. No. He sent a spy out and located their army. He took his army and crossed in their path and started throwing out baby toys. What? Where did he get baby toys? From some other place that they had conquered. <laughs> uh, and Subatai looked at him and said, I've got a good idea for these. So they're throwing out these baby toys. And when... Uh, <laughs> when when this army sees all of these baby toys, they think that this is a fleeing horde of Mongol women and children. This is some prime. Easy. We're going to get some payback. Easy targets. Yeah, easy fucking targets. But no, it's uh, Subadai with his army and he fucking slaughters all of them and cuts their fucking ears off. Because that's how they counted corpses. They, uh, they would cut one of the ears off of every body. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> Go home and count them. Look at them. <laughs> put them in. Put them in jars. Yeah. <laughs> Under their bed. Yeah, what are you or in do the do closet. <laughs> it's a big what if closet. somebody didn't know that that was for the purposes of counting corpses? And they were just like, "Man, Chingus really likes ears." <laughs> How many is he gonna have to have before we have to stop? Doing this. That's what this entire <laughs> Asian conquest ear collection. About. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like he I need really into his ear one of every type of ear on the planet. We're not going to stop until I have all the ears <laughs> in my closet in jars. <laughs> so, as as Subadai is on the back, uh, on his way back from. Uh, this trick he pulled where he destroyed this army. He runs in to another army. And the leader of this army is somebody who is going to be largely the focal point of part two of this. Oh. This is a man that Subadai is going to be put upon by Genghis Khan. And Genghis Khan is going to be madder at this fucking guy than he has ever been at anybody. Subatai is eventually going to hunt this fucking guy to the end of the earth. Subadai has come across the Quarismian Shah. And the Quarismian Shah has brought his army with him. And the Shah is no slouch. He knows what he's fucking doing. And Subadai had not expected to run into them. Subadai was actually just on his way back to report to Chengas. The Shah was looking 
for Subutai, though, and he found them and attacked. And this battle begins apparently early in the morning, and they fight all day. Subutai's side has a lot of casualties. The Shah's side has a lot of casualties, about even, apparently. And so night falls. The two armies light fires across from each other, and they start plotting what they're going to do the next day. In the morning, the fighting's about to begin. The Shah's army gets ready to go, and they look across the battlefield. And as it turns out, Subadai's army just lit a bunch of fires and immediately fucking left. (laughs) (laughs) And because Subadai's army is so fucking mobile, they're 30 miles away. He's got an entire fucking army 30 miles away. From the battlefield before anybody fucking knew about it. <laughs> Some ponies. <A> army. <laughs> and this, you know, this this attack that the the Quarismian Shaw perpetrated on Superdye, this is gonna be the one of the first times somebody's gonna get away with this shit. And this might have made the Shaw a little cocky. You gotta stay humble. Some time goes by. Like th- this this doesn't really set off. This isn't what sets off Chingus. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Where where would the Shah be from? Uh, at the time, it's it, it goes by a lot of different names now. Quarismia, Quarism. It would be around where Iran is now. Okay. So some time goes by. Chingus has his hands full. He is conquering in all directions. He's not especially interested in the Shah. He just wants the Shah to submit like everyone else. Now the Mongols, when 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 the way they got away with so much is this join us or die approach that they had to warfare. So a lot of times they would conquer areas without fighting at all. Because those people fucking knew better. <laughs> so they would just join the army as well? Yeah, so when when they would when they would conquer places, you would get the choice. This is still the, quote, unification process that we're going through. Uh, now, I don't think that Chingus ever really called this unification. Chingus <laughs> uh, was concerned with conquest. Okay. I mean, this wasn't a religious thing for him. It wasn't usually personal, particularly. He was just driven to conquest. And this unification business <laughs> that keeps coming up, this is now a lot of things eventually did become great. There are the, the world would not be as it is today. And a lot of really good things came out of this. We'll talk about some of that in the next episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so the Quartzman Shaw and Super Die have already had this little little dust up. Some some time goes by. Jenga's it appears just wants to trade with the Quarismian Empire. He just wants to open up trade routes. Now, a lot of what Genghis has been doing is opening up trade routes. Uh, roads kind of form through places. People are able to travel more easily because of this conquest and all these trade routes are opening up. And it, what? I'm sorry. I just I've got this the interstate in my head for some reason of like, you know. It essentially was. Um, it. it I mean, for the time, it yeah. basically was. And they actually even implemented a, 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 a mail system. 13th fucking century mail system. The Pony Too Express. Bad. We thought we fucking thought of that. No, <laughs> no, we fucking did not. Chingus thought of the Pony Express. They would actually have couriers who would carry several horses with them, as they always did. And they would strap themselves into the saddle. And they would sleep on top of their horses. And they would just... Go. The horses knew where they were supposed to go so they could sleep on top of them and just go. And so they were able to communicate across really long distances relatively quickly for the time. Incredibly quickly for the time. And so Chinkas, it seems, just wants to open up trade routes with the Shaw. And so he sends uh, an emissary to the Quarismian Empire. And this emissary comes upon a one of the larger cities there, and he speaks to what amounts to the mayor of the city. This is kind of a Rudy Giuliani kind of guy. 
Not the guy you fucking want saying yes or no to the goddamn Mongols, you know. Like, <laughs> you've got... <laughs> I you, guess? Let me get back to you. <laughs> yeah, get this shit right, man. Like, they ain't gonna ask you twice. <laughs> this, uh, quote, mayor, my own quote, mayor, uh, of this city kills the emissary. Oh. He thinks they're up to something. Because <gasps> they're the Mongols. Genghis Khan does not take kindly to this at all. But this shit happened at a, a good time because he is so fucking busy fucking up the rest of the world. Getting them ears. You guys aren't really the guys I want to fuck up. Yeah, there's ears. <laughs> I've got so many ears up here, you know, like I've got you know, enough this, ears to deal with right now. Yeah. Like, your ears well, can wait. Your turn will probably come. Maybe not don't today. speed it up, you know. So, Jenkins sends three more men, and this is probably the only fucking third chance anybody ever got from Jenkins. This time, though, so Jenkins is thinking, okay, they went to Rudy Giuliani's place. That was our fuck up. You know what? Like that, <laughs> it could be that this man was acting beyond his own authority. He's going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So he sends three more men to directly speak with the Quarismian Shaw. The Quarismian Shaw gave two of those men a buzz cut and sent them back to Chinggis Khan with the head of the third man. I shouldn't have done that, I bet. No. He done fucked up. If ever there was a man in the history of the world that you do not want to cross, Chinggis Khan. And so now, Genghis Khan. This just sounds so stupid. I'm sorry. Has what? I just like, these people just, I'm like, this is so stupid. Why would you not just be like, yes, sir? Well, now, <laughs> you have to imagine, though, that these, these people, they're not seeing pictures of what's going on. They're hearing tales. And, but the tales are fucking horrifying. Mm -hmm. And they do believe them. People are reporting things. Like, going about their travels and coming across what they believe to be snow-capped mountains and getting closer and finding that these are rotting corpses that are decaying to the point that the bones are showing and they're stacked higher than you are probably imagining. Because when we talk about the Mongols, when we, when we talk about the Mongols saying, join us or die, they're really saying, join us or die in a horrible fucking way and have everything that you have ever owned burned everyone that you ever have known will die and a lot of them are going to kill themselves to keep from doing what we're going to fucking do to you the mongols have been known to when they encountered moats around keeps rounding up the people outside outside of the walls the locals and shoving them into the moats until they completely filled the moats and were able to walk over them. They killed people and stacked them up next to garrisons and crawled over the bodies. And now, the Quarismian Shaw has gotten under Chinggis' skin so much that he has to pull back from the shit he really wants to be doing, which is collecting all these fucking ears. Mm -hmm. He's got to stop doing that. Yep. And he sends... The meanest fucking man he has to track down and kill the Quarismian Shaw. Subatai is coming. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode 35 of Where is the Line? If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe to it. You might also find us on our Facebook page and group. If you join the Facebook page, be sure to click on the uh, join group because uh, that's where everybody hangs out and posts all their nudes and shit. There's nudes? No. That's what I was about to say. I didn't I missed those. Join the group because that's where everybody hangs out and posts things. Before we go, we got a uh, couple of reviews to read for you. Nick412 writes, Kevin Hart, 
that was a heart emoji, and he didn't. Oh, that's what I just said. Yeah. What? <laughs> Wrong, Kevin. Kevin, we miss your voice. Your podcast is hilarious, and I hope you come back soon. Aww. Oh, thank you, Nick412. We're back. Yay. I hope this episode doesn't suck. This episode fucking sucks. I can Don't already do tell. Don't do that. Do not do that. <laughs> Moving on to the next review. <laughs> Griffin the Griffin writes, unlike anything else. I already like it. I'm one of those people that listen to a lot of podcasts, but never leave a review. This show is too amazing and unique for me to remain silent. I have to do the bare minimum and reward them with a review. I did not discover the show by Hollywood crime scene. Wow. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I was searching for a show that covered Issei Sagawa and found a true gem. And where is the line? All of the episodes are very well researched and presented brilliantly with funny jokes, no matter how insane the subject matter is. Kevin is the best. Aw, it's true. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Totally true. And each of his co-hosts have been great, with extra props to Samantha. Shout out, Samantha, if you're still listening. (laughs) I hope this isn't the end, and I eagerly await new episodes, even if they don't come on a fixed schedule. They're not going to. (laughs) I just want more. Please. Thanks for the hours of entertainment. That's so fucking nice, wasn't it? That's a good one. I like that that one. Do I sound extra? Do I sound too pumped up or something? Do I sound like... I I feel like I'm just all over the place today. I I am all over the place today. Our last review. I think we're going to skip the voicemails for this time. We're going to get them next time. Okay. Uh, Our last review comes from Lee1024. Five stars. Gross. Love it. I love that this podcast gets into all the gritty details that many other podcasts skip over. I've listened to most episodes so far, but just heard the one on Fourthman Murph, and it's my favorite. They told his story with all the gory details but in a way that was empathetic and humanizing. Side note, it's cool to listen to a podcast made by other LGBTQ people where that's not the focus. Hosts Kevin and Ashley are the best. (laughs) I go through so many goddamn (laughs) co-hosts that, like, I have reviews that mention... (laughs) By the time you review the show, there's going to be... Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for that review. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Forthman episode is one of my favorites, too. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but Forthman's, uh, one of his relatives actually got in touch with me and uh, sent me a recording of Forthman singing after the accident. Um, okay. After I've... after his wounds healed. Yeah. Um, the recording was really fuzzy and it was hard to hear, so I did some audio work on it, cleaned it up a little bit and sent it back to him. And uh, But that's on our Patreon page way on down there. I put that on there a long time ago. Uh, but if, uh, yeah, you know what? That's worth joining the Patreon. Absolutely. To hear Forthman Murph fucking singing something. Absolutely. I really wanted that. to know. I wanted to know so bad what he sounded like singing. And uh, I couldn't find anything. And um, this person who sent this to me had just commented on the episode. And uh, yeah, if it weren't for that, I would have never gotten to hear from hear him. And also, uh, you're not going to find that recording anywhere else. No. Did he tell you how he came across the episode? No. I assume he was just Googling. I mean, if you Google Forthman Murph, you're going to come across the right guy. It's a pretty <laughs> uncommon name. And nothing, that, that review also mentions uh, that it's cool to listen to podcasts made by other LGBTQ people. One of the few times that we were ever offered an ad, it was uh, from an LGBTQ organization, I think somewhere in Colorado or something. Maybe I might be wrong about that. And I turned it down because I I was really afraid that and it, it was one of these ads where it was given to me by the, the host. I wasn't I couldn't contact the people. It was just gonna be this inserted ad thing in the show, which I ain't fucking doing that anyway. <laughs> if you want to put an ad on this show, I am gonna be reading it or it ain't gonna fucking be there. You're not gonna put a fucking ad. I spent so much time editing these things, I'm just gonna let somebody put some fucking random shit about frozen food that they drop off at your fucking house right in the middle of it? <laughs> I but love that no. that's the one you pick because that seems to be the always the one that's advertised. Do you ever listen to things where like it's the podcast <laughs> and it just 
just cuts off in the middle of a fucking word and that <laughs> thing's there? I don't give a damn how much like, money you give me. I ain't doing that. You're right in the middle of talking about murder and they're like, <laughs> do you know what you're cooking for dinner tonight? <laughs> what just happened? So, <laughs> so if you've ever if you've ever offered an ad to us through that marketplace thing, the reason that I declined it. <laughs> well, the LGBTQ thing, I was afraid that if I accepted that, they would regret it. Oh, that they would regret it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not really a a, a, a flag kind of guy. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just not like, I'm not a, I'm like, what? You're not what? I'm not happy enough to be the, the representative of the. I mean, <laughs> LGBTQ people are usually like really happy. It seems. I mean, at least on the surface. Okay. Fuck, I'm okay. goddamn generalizing. Jesus, I've been racist. <laughs> to, Never mind. Uh, yeah, if you're uh, if you're if you're one of the people that tried to, to to submit an ad to us and you happen to be listening to this, even if you're the LGBTQ people, as long as you know what you're getting into, get in touch with me. Uh, I'd be glad to read an ad. Pretty fucking cheap. Just know it won't be a happy one. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I. You know, in, in case they do get in touch with me, I should probably just go ahead and say this. I don't get the flag thing. What do you mean? Like, there's everybody, like, bisexual people mm-hmm. have a flag, mm-hmm. and it's purple, and then and everybody has, like, a different color flag. Mm-hmm. I don't really want a flag for that. I mean, like, do I really need a flag for suck a dick? <laughs> you know, I don't think that that requires a flag. <laughs> I understand it's about Maybe. unity and community and shit, but I'm a fucking loner. I don't like that stuff. I got you. I don't want the flag. Well, so you're just saying like maybe the flag's just not for you. I think I'm gonna cut every bit of this out. <laughs> I might. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll just put this on. Maybe this would be like a side. Yeah, it's like a side that. note conversation about. <laughs> flag. Yeah, the patrons have been getting complete shit for a long time. Let's just put this on there, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> And then we can get lots of feedback about the flags. <laughs> We've got voicemails, but we're not going to play them on this episode. But if you would like to call and leave us a voicemail of your own, that number is 386-227-7848. Do you know what that spells? Dumb ass tit. Dumb ass tit. Spell out dumb ass tit on your telephone to hear a special message just for you from our own Where is the Line intro band. I think that's going to do it. Probably lost a lot of listeners. (laughs) (laughs) With this topic that nobody gives a fuck about. (laughs) All right, this is a good one. We're gonna do a twofer on it too. Yeah, twofer. Get better. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. If you thought this one was good, wait till next time. I liked it. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Kids, when you go to bed, stay away from your closets and don't look under your bed.